Welcome to the Mindful Mediums Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, an evidential spirit medium and intuitive development mentor. I talk to the dead for a living and I help other people learn how to utilize their own gifts of spirit communication and trust more deeply in their intuition from a very grounded perspective. So if that's something you're into and you enjoy hearing about topics related to spirit communication, mediumship, psychism, tarot, the paranormal, all from a very grounded perspective, stay tuned for awesome guests, even some readings and discussion of all of these different topics from a very grounded perspective. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, pop in your earbuds, get comfortable and get your water because it's about to get real here on the Mindful Mediums podcast. So this episode is going to be one that is really based around the spooky, which I feel like today's release date is absolutely perfect for that because if you're listening to this the day it is released, it is currently Halloween, October 31st, 2023. Now, I have to be fully transparent here. I recorded this episode about six months ago, actually. I've had this episode sitting on the back burner because I was waiting for the right time of year to release it, and of course, that it would be today. Um, With that being said, I recorded this episode before I did my investigation on the Queen Mary, which many of you are familiar with, but I have not actually seen it get posted to YouTube yet. My hope is that it will be released sometime before the end of the year, but stay tuned for details. But the reason that I wanted to do this little prologue is because if you have been anywhere in the social media sphere, if you're following mediums on TikTok or social media, you probably have seen a lot of us commenting on the more or less recent paranormal investigating duo, Sam and Kobe, their uh, most recent investigation at the Conjuring House with Satori and Cody, who are also another team of paranormal investigators who have their own paranormal couple, uh, if you will, sort of venture all their own. Um, and they are actually tied to TAPS and Ghost Hunters. Uh, for those who don't know, I'll give you a little bit of background. Satori is actually the daughter of one of the leads on the Ghost Hunters uh, series that airs on Travel Channel. They have been featured on the Travel Channel, so they are not new to the paranormal investigative world, which a lot of people found really interesting that Sam and Kobe had no idea who Satori and Cody were, but I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm also a paranormal investigator. I didn't know who they were either. And the fact of the matter is when you're immersed in these kinds of worlds, sometimes you kind of get tunnel vision and you don't really know who's who and what's what, especially in the world of YouTube. YouTube paranormal investigators versus cable paranormal investigating teams are very different and they don't often sort of merge together. So I'm really not surprised to be honest, but that is neither here nor there. The reason that I want to bring this up is because I want to just speak to these episodes that we've been talking about. And if you have not seen the episodes of the Conjuring House Investigation, I definitely recommend that you do that. Give yourself the time because it is long to watch not only the actual investigation, uh, but also the uncut and testing the Satori and Cody method, because I think that is really, really important, especially if you are someone who is an investigator, if you are a medium or a psychic, it is really important that we are incredibly skeptical and discerning of the work that we do and holding others to uh, integ- with an in integrity and holding each other accountable. And this is what I want to talk about because while I spoke with my whole chest about my support for this episode, I want to be very clear that I watched these episodes two and three times over and I do have some questions, but then I have other areas that I can't really question. And I think this really brings back the importance of in order to draw conclusions for yourself, you have to have experiences yourself, especially when it comes to things in the realm of the intangible. So I feel like this only is going to drive home the importance of going out, exploring, having experiences, and then drawing conclusions from those experiences and being willing to deconstruct and being willing to ask the hard questions around the experiences that we have, whether it's in the film or the field of the realm of par- uh, paranormal, spiritism, uh, mediumship, psychism, etc. Because 
that is the only way that we can really be honest with ourselves. And I think that brings us to a deeper level of understanding of the work that we're doing. But coming back to the Cody and Satori um, sort of method, if you will, I have some thoughts. And these are some things that I really had to consider because I myself have seen physical mediumship and some of the manifestations and phenomena that can occur when you are in those spaces with other people, with like-minded individuals, uh, all coming together with an intention and things can manifest. I have seen the spirit world do incredible things, but those are all done in very closed settings. They're not done for show. They're not done um, on a stage. It's it's very much, it's almost a sacred practice. And I think that that's one of the things that I want to really kind of touch on is that I know what this spirit world is capable of because I've seen it with my own eyes. I've sensed it myself in these spaces. So I was not surprised when Satori and Cody are manifesting this phenomena. But one of the things about physical mediumship that I think people forget is that it really speaks to this idea of seeing is believing and faith is everything because the mind is a very powerful thing, belief is a very powerful thing, and it can manifest many different in many different ways. But I think it is important to not always take things on blind faith because if we look at the history of physical mediumship, particularly as it pertains to spiritualism as a whole, physical mediumship really kind of died out because there were so many charlatans out there who were faking activity. They were faking tappings and rappings. And it happened a lot. And it really brought a lot of disingenuity to the work. Because it is really easy to fake when you get someone in a position where they're very vulnerable and they they really want something badly that they're going to take it at face value and not look any deeper. And that's why I really appreciated Sam and Kobe going to the lengths that they did to really try to debunk this whole phenomena. And this is why I, I still really do believe that there's truth to this. Um, but there are things that I do want to consider, and I think that there are things that do give me pause that I wanted to talk about. And this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think that it's in my role as in duty before I put my name behind something or that I really truly back something up that I give all of sort of my thoughts on it. So something to consider as well is that so Satori and Cody are both paranormal investigators in their own right. And one thing I have learned about the paranormal investigative field is that faking activity for views or anything of that nature, if you get caught doing that and you are known in the paranormal field, that is an automatic ticket to be number one. No one will ever want to work with you. Um, you will basically be cast out. Like you will not be able to do this work anymore. Uh, so you can get blacklisted. I mean, it's one of those things that it's just like people in the paranormal community take very, very seriously. And this is one of the reasons why I don't necessarily think that Cody and Satori are are up to any tricks because I feel like they are in the community to a degree and they they're really trying to make a name in their own right that that would not behoove them to do this especially on a platform that would get them so much exposure so knowing that and knowing how cutthroat the paranormal community is I cannot see that being the case so that's one of the reasons why I really do take pause. Like, I really think that the, what they're manifesting is true. The other thing that I saw a video trying to debunk what Cody and Satori were doing, and they made some very valid points. Number one is the associations you keep. Now, Satori is the, I believe, daughter of someone on the Ghost Hunters show on the Travel Channel. And Ghost Hunters has had people come forward and basically expose them for being disingenuous with their investigations and their evidence that they have found on their show. I, I don't know how much of that is true because at the time it is very hearsay. And this is where it comes back to you have to sort of be there to have the experience yourself, right? This is really speaking to these things, right? So so there's that, there, there's that track record that is attached to Satori, but as far as I know, she is not directly connected to any of that, but I could be wrong. I know she has appeared on Ghost Hunters episode with the TAPS team 
and um, has been involved in some of those investigations um, because of her connections with her father. So there's that. Um, the other thing that they brought up as well when they were in the debunking, when they were talking about this, is the ability to make these sort of similar sounds by actually manipulating joints and bones in the body. And this is what really got me because apparently, um, you know, a lot of people attribute the birth of spiritualism or the most notorious spiritualist to be the Fox sisters, who if you really look at their track record, Maggie Fox came out years later after saying that the wrappings that they were creating in their home or that, that were happening in their home and their seances that they were doing were actually fabricated. They were doing it by cracking their their knuckles and their wrists, etc. Now, I don't know the circumstances around Maggie, you know, saying these things and basically turning on her sisters and all of this. I don't know if that was done under coercion. We know that the mediumship and spiritualist movement was very much active in the women's suffrage movement. So it's really hard to say if if she was being coerced to basically admit that she faked it because that's what they wanted her to say, you know, at the, you know, at the expense of potentially being persecuted. Like, there's just so much there that we just don't know. However, I know some people who are incredibly double-jointed. My husband is one of them, and he can make those similar noises with his bones. He can crack them and do them all sorts of ways on command, etc. However, it's very obvious that it is coming from his body when he does it. So he he can make those noises, but he can't throw the noises around the room, if you know what I'm saying. Like he can't, he can't, and, and the noises actually do sound a bit similar, but they don't sound exactly like what we were hearing in the video. So there's, there's that, I have that question. But the thing that I really would like to have seen it to really kind of like test these points and kind of put it to rest so that you know, we really can test all elements of this to make sure there is no trickery going on is taking off their shoes entirely, let them be barefoot and put them in a pair of shorts. So you can see their knees from, you know, you can see their knees, you can see their ankles. We can ensure that this isn't coming from slight subtle movements in the body. That's what I would have liked to have seen. And there was one point where things did get a little bit suspicious uh, towards the end of the video where I started to question a little bit because they did ask if they could take off their shoes. And we never got a direct answer if that was something they could actually do. And that was the one thing that made me kind of pause for a second. Now, that still doesn't get around the, and I don't know if this is entirely true too, the fact that Sam and Kobe said that the places that they had researched to go to, they, they actually didn't research them. They had someone on the production team give them these places to go to and to do this experimentation. They had no idea where they were going, so there's no way that they would have been able to like look up these obituaries, look up these the specific information that they were bringing through about the people connected to these places. So that to me, but I have to take that at face value for what Sam and Kobe were saying that nobody knew where they were going. Do we know if that's 100% true? We really, we really don't. You only know that if you were there. And that's, that's the hard part, right? So it's like we can take what they're saying at face value, but is it really at face value? We have to kind of leave that sort of open skepticism up. Because if that's really the case, even if they were manipulating their bones to make these sounds and to do all this and that, how in the hell would they have that information if it truly was that they didn't know where they were going? How would they, how would that have happened? It just doesn't make sense, which it makes it more plausible to me that this was all very genuine. Um, the thing that does get me though is knowing what I know about physical mediumship and physical circles, that it does take time to build up that kind of um, ability to manifest and to have this type of specific, genuine, consistent communication with the spirit world. It takes tremendous amounts of energy, time, concentration, focus, intention, etc. And I don't believe that Cody and Satori are practicing mediums. I don't believe that they're sitting in any kind of physical circle. So that that's the other thing that really kind of is is a little bit kind of throwing me off, right? It almost seems too good to be true. 
And so I think that these are the questions that I've been sitting with having watched the footage over and over and over again and still trying to come to my own conclusions and draw my own conclusions about what I have seen and what I have witnessed. So those are some of my thoughts. I may get canceled for saying all of that by the other mediums who are so vehemently like, oh my god, this is amazing. Because while yes, it does come down to faith, I also do not believe in trickery. I do not believe in, um, you know, being disingenuous. And so I have to ask myself this question because there are so many people out there who are just looking for notoriety and fame. And I don't feel that with them, but you just can't put anything past anyone. And maybe that's just my skeptical mind, me being a realist, but these are questions that I have. And do I think it is a beautiful display of physical mediumship if it is in fact genuine? Absolutely. Test these two. Take them to the Society for Parasite, Parasy- Parasy- I can't even say it, Parapsychology and Research, because this is fucking amazing. Why are we not doing that? If this is really truly, if they can manifest this, if they can have this happen, why not study them further? Because there's something clearly unique about their connection that they have. So let's let's test it for science. Like, like let's get the groundwork going. Why is this just going to be some, you know, 10 million views YouTube and just leave it there. Like, I feel like we should be looking at Cody and Satori and actually really doing, doing experiments in a controlled manner with them to see really what's going on because I think we could learn a lot. I don't know why that hasn't happened. Hopefully it will happen. Maybe it will. I don't know, but that's what I would like to see. So those are just some of the thoughts that I've been sitting with in addition to watching the footage over and over again and the conclusions that I'm drawing. But I think at the end of the day, what I'm really getting that, what the full message that I wanted to bring today to talk about this is if this inspired you, get out there and have your own experiences. Try new things. Have experiences. Go investigate. You know, you this showed, if anything, you don't need an instrument to investigate, to a par- be a paranormal investigator. The most important instrument on a paranormal investigation is you. It's your body. You're the barometer, right? The external and equipment that we use, all of that is great because it, it provides a tangible thing that's separate outside of you to validate things you're already feeling, knowing, etc., and it can just validate those things back to you. And it's a tangible means that's completely separate from the human sort of person. So, and I know coming back to what I was saying about the paranormal sort of investigation itself, when I went on the Queen Mary, what was really fascinating was that the majority of the communication that we received that night when we investigated the Queen Mary had nothing to do with the spirits of the ship. It had everything to do with our loved ones coming through, the loved ones of myself, my husband who was there, and the investigator. And we were getting valid confirmation that that's who was communicating. And I find that that always gets dismissed in the paranormal field so much that how much of this is our own loved ones trying to manipulate equipment to get our attention when they have the opportunity? Because how often do you get that opportunity? Not very often, right? So I think it'd be really interesting, number one, to retest Satori and Cody in these new ways. I think it would be really great to see some of this additional footage that Satori and Cody and this other third-party caretaker at the Conjuring House have come up with over time together as they've recorded all these sessions. It'd be really interesting to kind of hear those things. But like I said, nothing is really going to take the place of having these experiences for yourself. Witnessing them on camera is one thing, but there still leaves a lot of room for questions and doubt, etc. So my hope is that they'll continue to investigate this further and we'll see more from Cody and Satori sort of testing this method that they have and really get to the bottom of, maybe not get to the bottom of how it's working, but really just debunk that they're, they're playing any real part in it. Uh, as far as potentially manipulating the sound, etc. So I think that'll be really interesting to see if that happens. And that's what I would like to see. So, um, but yes, in that investigation, 
the majority of the communications we had come through were our own loved ones. And I had someone comment on an Instagram recently. It was so funny because I was thinking the same thing. How many times is it that when a paranormal team, they capture something on the spirit box and it's like, get out (laughs) or something like leave or how do we know that that's not just like our loved ones trying to tell them other wayward spirits who are trying to communicate get out because I want to talk to my people (laughs) I mean and that's very possible so I've always considered that um, I think it's just a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunications when it comes to this stuff so yeah but anyways without further ado I'm going to dive into this episode I hope you enjoy it Uh, This really just breaks down sort of my thoughts around what we encounter when it comes to the spooky, the paranormal, etc. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you haven't watched the Sam and Kobe videos, definitely go check them out. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So welcome to another episode of the Mindful Mediums podcast. This week we're going to be discussing something a little bit controversial, but also a little bit intriguing. I'm really excited to tackle this topic because I feel like it's a conversation that continually has been coming up in and around the evidential medium community, the developing medium community, and I think that it bears talking about. So we're going to talk about the paranormal and what exactly that means. And from an evidential mediumistic standpoint, what do I think is actually happening and what is the consensus when you talk to other evidential mediums? One of the biggest questions I get asked is how come there's so many discrepancies depending upon who you talk to about paranormal experiences in general when it comes to the mediumship community? I'm just going to speak from my experience as an evidential medium who also does a bit of paranormal investigation when I have the opportunities to. One of the reasons why I decided to start looking into the paranormal more, doing investigations, getting involved in that world, and not just pigeonholing myself in the evidential mediumship realm was because these are the types of questions that I would get asked by my clients, by my students. And to be honest, I could only speak from the few paranormal experiences I had had in my life, and all of those happened to come uh, before I ever knew I was a medium or actually even knew anything about mediumship. So they were very much filtered through the lens of the belief system that I had grown up with, which was Catholicism. So there was very much a fear-based mentality around the experiences that I had. And it wasn't until I started developing as a medium and deconstructing what I knew and what I thought and what I had learned about the spirit world that I looked back on those experiences and was able to actually deconstruct them a bit. And I felt like when I did that, I was still left with more questions than answers, if that makes any sense. So that's one of the reasons why I started doing investigative work when the opportunities presented my, presented themselves to me. So what I really want to speak to is the conclusions that I've drawn based on the time that I've spent doing investigative work. And one of the biggest questions I get is... How is it possible that there is no such thing as evil spirits or demons, etc., as so many evidential mediums will say? And I think that what the answer to the question is in the way that I would answer it is that when we go to connect to loved ones in the spirit world, I think of it in terms of energy and density and energy exists on a spectrum but i also feel that there are multiple dimensions of this physical reality that we can't fully explain and i think that when we go to connect with loved ones we're connecting with intelligent consciousness that is existing outside of the body and therefore existing within a different dimension or frequency now when we work with the paranormal however a lot of the things that we encounter that we would consider supernatural or paranormal are actually not of intelligence. 
So I am not one to say that these things don't exist because the truth of the matter is, number one, no one knows for certain. We'll all find out when we cross over to the other side. Everything is anecdotal and speculation and based on personal gnosis. But we also have to understand the power of our mind. We have to understand how strong belief can be. And when it is embedded on a subconscious level, how that can interfere in the way with interpret the experiences that we have when it comes to the supernatural and the paranormal. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. And I do believe that spirit energy exists in a frequency that is so fast moving. Some people would call it a high vibe, but it moves so fast and truly the only thing that can kind of match it is the energy of love. That's how we connect to loved ones in spirit. It's through the energy of love, the bridge of love. Now, we know that emotions exist on a spectrum. And I think that it's through these other emotions that we're able to connect with different speeds of energy or different types of energy. And I actually think that our energy, we can tend to expel it or project it out around us intentionally and unintentionally. Now, if you look at a lot of the parapsychology research that's out there, a lot of the determinations that have been made based on the experiments that have been done really sort of speak to this narrative that a lot of supernatural or paranormal activity is actually controlled and linked to living people and the energy with which they are expressing consciously or unconsciously into a space to manifest certain specific phenomena. Now, this is what we see when we talk about physical mediumship. Um, and basically, it's when we are intentionally directing our energy to allow for physical manifestations to occur from a force that is unseen and intangible. Now, if you look at the history of some of the most notorious paranormal experiences that are on record, they all take place within people who either were in chaotic situations, came from a very traumatic background, um, or were currently experiencing or had recently experienced immense amounts of trauma, whether that be emotional, mental, or physical trauma. Now we think about if energy exists on a spectrum and we expel energy based on what we're feeling and we project that out into a space, just like we would shed dead skin cells, don't you think that energy would be able to build up in a space? I'm sure many of us have heard the phrase, oh, you walk into a room after a fight and you can cut the tension with a knife. We all can feel that. That's the energy that we're working with. That's the energy that is producing phenomena in my opinion, it can actually manifest and cause physical phenomena to occur. It can actually inflect physical change in the space. So of course, this would make sense that I think a lot of hauntings, a lot of paranormal, what people experience, especially those who are sensitive and open to be able to pick up on those subtle shifts and changes in an environment, because we've been kind of attuned to that, because we needed to do that when we were young, most of us, to keep us safe. But those of us who tend to have more difficult experiences or more intense experiences with trauma when we're young, oftentimes tend to develop those empathic qualities to be able to feel and sense and understand their environment on a deeper level because it was a need to keep us safe. It, it transpired out of necessity. So... But when we talk about a haunted location or becoming aware of something in a space that is supposedly haunted or having some sort of activity, I actually think what we're experiencing and what we're actually becoming aware of is that imprint in time, is that energetic fingerprint or groove in the record, so to speak, of that place. And it plays on a loop and it doesn't really hold intelligence very often. It, it more so is just existing there. And for those who are sensitive, they can sense it. 
almost like sensing a memory of a place. And that's what I think that when we talked about the paranormal, that's what people are experiencing when they step into these places. And I think until we're able to really learn to decipher the difference between a psychic information, psychic information coming in from a space or us moving psychic information through our filters of awareness versus a mediumistic experience because the truth is they're both using the same type of senses to become aware of information the key is what level is the information coming from is it coming from an intelligence in the spirit world or is it something else that's just existing in a different realm of dimension or at a different speed of dimension and i think that those who are who haven't been doing the work that long or maybe have preconceived notions or ideas already in their mind about the spirit world, belief systems, etc. That is going to be the thing that will interpret, they'll interpret their experiences through. And that's where we get hauntings. And that's where we get differing opinions about what it is the medium is actually becoming aware of, about what it is is actually causing the phenomena to occur. So you could even argue that like as a medium, because I believe that the spirit world exists in this way, that that's how I interpret this information coming through. But I feel for me, it does make the most sense. There's a great episode of Kindred Spirits that I always reference and I love it. And what they were able to prove was really fascinating. And I want to explain why, because this is where the power of belief comes in. This is where the power of feeding energy into something and then it manifesting in some way was actually shown and proven. So essentially what there's other things that I think that we can intentionally or unintentionally create in a space. This is why I think a lot of places that are notoriously haunted and then they become investigated. They have multiple groups of people going in there all the time, investigating, asking questions, feeding into a historical narrative that has been told to them about a space and a place. And then a story is formed around that. More and more people that go in there, what happens is they feed into that. They feed into that belief. They feed into that story. That actually begins to manifest and reflect back to them regardless of whether or not it's real. And that is what Kindred Spirits was able to show. And what we call this in the paranormal field and the parapsychology field, this is referred to as an egregore. And an egregore is essentially a product of a group think that manifests. So, I'm going to actually read the the full definition to you of what an egregore is. An egregore is from the French word and ancient Greek words wakeful. It's an occult concept representing a non-physical entity that arises from the collective thoughts of a distinct group of people. That's the Wikipedia definition. Historically, the concept referred to angelic beings or watchers and the specific rituals and practices associated with them, namely within Enochian traditions. In more recent times, the concept is referred to a psychic manifestation or a thought form which occurs when any group shares a common motivation, being made up of and influencing the thoughts of the group. So essentially that is what an egregore is. So you have group think happening and it's when people consciously come together to create and they have a common purpose or a common belief system. You could even argue that religion is egregorious, right? So it's sort of this catch-all term, but it speaks to the entities that I think can be created by the living if enough people feed into a belief or a story. It's where folklore comes in, right? Now, there's also something called a tulpa. Tulpas are a little bit different. Those are created intentionally, generally by one person. So, so it's an entity that manifests from a particular mental or spiritual power usually by an occult practitioners. 
Okay. So essentially the way that tulpas work, tulpa are a concept in theosophy, mysticism, and the paranormal of an object that is being created through spiritual or mental powers. Modern practitioners who call themselves tulpamancers use the term to refer to a type of willed imaginary friend, which practitioners consider to be sentient and relatively independent. These can actually begin to appear sentient and independent, meaning that they do they actually gain sentience? Do they actually gain intelligence? That's debatable. Um, so occultist William Walker Atkinson in his book, The Human Aura, described thought forms as simple ethereal objects emanating from the auras of surrounding people, generating from their thoughts and feelings. He further elaborated in Clairvoyance and Occult Powers book how he experienced practitioners of the occult can produce thought forms from their auras that serve as astral projections, which may not look like the person who is projecting them or as illusions that can only be seen by those with awakened astral senses. So this is a really interesting concept when we think about thought forms, tulpas, and egregores. But at the root of them, they are all created by the living. And that's sort of the difference. And they don't really lack, they lack intelligence most of the time. They essentially, the energy will reflect back to the practitioner or the group as a whole, what they have fed into it. It mirrors back to them what they believe or what they wish to see. So this is where the concept of could you haunt yourself if you believe in something enough? Could you manifest it? Potentially, right? Because everything is filtered through your thought, your mind, you are the instrument. So you have to take that into consideration. And this is one of the most fascinating things. When we look at this episode of Kindred Spirits, what they basically did to kind of validate this was what was going on in a paranormal investigation location where a lot of paranormal investigators were going, the activity had started to get worse and worse and worse over time. And it essentially, the investigators who had been going there had actually created unintentionally an egregore that was manifesting back to them the stories that it had been fed. And they were able to prove this because what the two investigators did on this show was so fascinating. They literally created a story about this energy that was not, it was completely not based in reality. It was completely fictional and they wrote it down they created the story and then they sort of let it marinate in the space for a bit they gave it names dates causes of death um just created a whole story around the property that was not true this was not based on any factual information this was completely made up by them on the spot they let it marinate for I th not that long. I want to say it was probably within 24 hours they went back and then they did investigations like they normally would using their equipment. And the evidence that was captured during that investigation mirrored exactly what the story they had created back to them, including names, dates, EVPs coming back saying these things um, that they had put into their story, which shows you that this is merely a reflection of those investigating the space. And that was almost what I would consider groundbreaking when it comes to investigating. Now, how controlled is this? I, I couldn't tell you, but it, it proved a point. And that point is that the power of belief is very strong. And we are really powerful in what we can manifest to reflect back to us. And this is why I think it is true to the degree that we do have to be willing to really pick apart what we believe and the filter through which all of our experiences are processed, especially if we want to be objective investigators and we really want to know about the spirit world and we want to be able to gather solid evidence 
And I think that that's really, really important. Something else that I know has been argued a lot of the time on paranormal investigations, and I've even felt this, is that I think that a lot of the time, loved ones in spirit who are always with us and always around us, oftentimes are going to manipulate some of that equipment. They're going to take the opportunity to communicate with those who are there including their their own loved ones. Um, this is actually evidenced in an episode of Ghost Club Paranormals episode um, on YouTube. If you haven't followed her, I definitely recommend checking out her channel because she does some amazing investigations. And one of her most recent episodes was almost very touching in the way that her own loved ones use the equipment and um, technology to come through to her to validate that they were there with her. So I do think it's a mixture of both. And I think that anyone who is on the path of development, it would be really important or I think it would behoove them to absolutely learn how to sense the difference between what is coming from an intelligent source and what a mediumistic connection feels like with a communicator versus what a psychic connection or psychic information coming in feels like. And I know that for myself, I've been doing this work for about six years and it took me quite some time to be able to decipher when I'm working on each different level. And there is a distinct feeling that is very different for me but it took me a long time to start to be able to understand the subtle shifts that happened in my conscious awareness, that happened in my body when I would be connected in psychically with someone or a space or a place versus connected and mediumistically with a communicator. They do feel very, very different. So I want to say that, you know, for anyone out there who is a developing medium, you know, draw your own conclusions, see for yourself, right? But I think the most important thing is be willing to deconstruct what your preconceived notions are about the spirit world and about what you know and what you've taken in, whether consciously or subconsciously about the spirit world that may be still filtering your experiences through so that you can go in as a neutral, even slate to just have an objective experience and then draw your conclusions. Now, I often get asked, what about manifestations like scratches and things of that nature? I feel that that is most likely when those types of occurrences happen, I do feel like they often happen to people who very much have a strong faith and believe in, they believe in demons or they believe in, they have a strong faith where it's like they believe in the power of evil and they believe that it's possible for these things to manifest. And that's one of the reasons why they do. Now, am I saying they bring it on themselves? No, absolutely not. I'm not, this is not me victim blaming anyone. But I think we have to look at, it's usually members who are not on the team. I, I would say nine times out of 10, any time that there is a physical manifestation of some kind, whether it be a scratch or bruising or what have you, on an investigation, it's always someone who is not on the investigative team it's like a bystander um usually it's like the cameraman or and, and we don't know where they're coming from right we don't know what belief systems they adhere to so i think that 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 takes into account as well like where these energies or these entities that are you know potentially coming from a place that is non-human or but created by humans they're not human entities they're not human sentient beings how they manifest and how they can manifest with certain people depending on their beliefs depending on what they know to be true for themselves and i think that that's something to really explore and look at because i cannot say that I've ever seen a developed evidential medium go into a space and have an experience like that. Now, is it also boundaries? Absolutely. I know that for myself, I practice really, really intense boundaries with not only the spirit world, but also with the psychic world, with the world around me. And this is because I, I don't want to allow myself to give those things power. And that's something that I teach my students early on. You have to remove the fear from 
what it is you're doing in order to be able to be a clear channel to completely surrender to spirit to actually be neutral that takes some work so i always tell people whatever you have to do in order to remove that fear and if that means that you're still in the process of deconstructing from you know a religion that told you that connecting with spirits is harmful and dangerous and bad and you haven't quite fully unpacked that yet or you're in the process of unpacking by all means, if you want to do a protection, if you want to set up a wall or a boundary or bathe yourself in white light, whatever it is you have to do to allow yourself to feel safe, then by all means do that. I don't shame anyone for those practices. I did that very much so in the beginning of my development because I was still deconstructing from my Catholic roots. I no longer have to do that, but I do have very firm and strong boundaries. So I think that it just goes to say that you can only speak from the experiences that you've had and I'm only speaking from my experiences and the conclusions that I've drawn about these things. But I think when we come to the paranormal, I think that's what we're dealing with. I think we're dealing with manifestations of the living most of the time. Now, that's not to say that loved ones in spirit can't manipulate energy to get your attention, to make physical phenomena occur. They absolutely can. They are limitless in what they can do. However, it takes a great deal of energy to manifest something like that. So that's why I think when it is from the spirit world, it's incredibly rare for there to be a physical manifestation of some kind to actually be connected to a sentient, you know, consciousness of a departed person that's human that has that had human qualities so I feel like that's the only way that I could really describe it and I hope that this explains some of the reasoning for some of these experiences that we see now of course tv sensationalizes it Hollywood sensationalizes it right and very much so faith is a very personal thing and there are a lot of different religions and cultures out there who have different beliefs and practices and they work with these things i think that the terms like egregore and tulpas are simply just kind of blanket statement terms to talk about the ways in which we work with energy period and the different types of energy that exist and i think that when we're doing the paranormal work a lot of the time what we see is people who have not deconstructed and they're coming at it from a Christian lens. Most people, that's like the biggest religion in this country. And so everything and every experience is filtered through that lens. That's why you see these ghost adventures, people being like, it's a demon. <laughs> it's, you know, like, like, okay, if that's what you want to call it, like, sure <laughs> you know but is it truly malevolent is it truly or are you just giving it that power are you making it that way and that's why i say really having a clear head and a clear mind is so important whenever you're going to go in and step into the paranormal world but honestly that would be less sensationalized it would get less ratings people wouldn't watch it like it would be boring so of course fear sells um so <laughs> people play on that fear and then the more they see of it, the more it becomes ingrained that that's just what it is and that's the normal and we don't want to dig any further. But I encourage anyone who's on a development journey, don't be afraid to dig deeper. Don't be afraid to explore these things because ultimately deconstructing, breaking them down, looking at it from the most logical lens to try and figure out exactly what is potentially happening and looking at it through a lens of science and spirituality combined is important and I think that science just hasn't caught up yet to be able to explain some of this phenomena and so we're all kind of left wondering and putting our own spins on it and it reaches the greatest common denominator essentially when it comes to those who have these experiences so that's what you see reflected back in the media and television and that's why it it appears that way so I would say that even the word demon, the word demon is, it's been so far removed. If you remove it from its Christian, uh, you know, if you remove it from the Christian sort of backing, daemon just means a supernatural being, which essentially, um, you know, I, I, I know plenty of demon altry practitioners who work with demons. They work with that energy. It's energy that they're working with. Is it malevolent? No, I don't think so inherently. Can it be? Anything can be malevolent if you give it that power. So 
I want to just express the importance of understanding and trying to move into a place of neutrality when it comes to working with these things because I think that's the only way we'll be able to really gain traction and actually gain legitimacy and actually gain some real ability to work within the framework of learning more about this and what this these things may actually be. So that's my two cents on the paranormal. And that's all I really have to say about it. And I hope that that explains it. Um, I always find that the more I dive into these things, a lot of the times I'm always left asking more questions. And I think that that's probably a good thing, but it can also be a bit frustrating as well. Now, do I think that spirits are bound by space, place, or time? No. Do I think we can pick up on the residual energy of people who were there in the past who maybe some really tragic things happened in a space? Yes. Do I think that that can exist? Yes. Do I think that that's intelligent? And do I think that those humans are actually still there, that those human souls or spirits are still there? No. Would they like to visit? Maybe. Could they potentially be there? Yes. But are they bound there? No. In my experience as an evidential medium, I have never experienced a soul that needed help with anything other than getting messages to their loved one and communicating with their loved one to let them know that they're still around. And the experiences that I did have that I thought was a stuck spirit or a spirit who needed help was so early in my development that there was no way to validate any of it at all. I couldn't validate it whatsoever. And so for me, I really had to dissect that. And I had to really look at that. And I had to look at my own ego and say, oh, is that just me like wanting to feel good about me having this ability that I could help someone? Right? Because we all naturally want to help. We all want to help. And I think that's where it feels good to feel like you're doing something. It feels good to feel like you're helping even if it is something in spirit. Did I create and manifest that entire experience? Possibly. And I have to be really honest with myself about that. And that doesn't always feel good because the truth is that our mind does get in the way. It does create things. And that's why I think I gravitate to evidential mediumship because it allows me an anchor to validate the experiences I'm having through the evidence, through the validation that comes through. And I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've had evidence and validation come through that are mind-blowing, that I don't even understand how I would become aware of what they showed me. And that's the magic of spirit communication. But that's the difference between spirit communication and the paranormal. They are two completely different animals, but they exist in a very similar sphere. And very often they get lumped in together. And it doesn't, it doesn't help us as evidential mediums. It really, it really doesn't help us. So anyone who's developing, my biggest piece of advice to you would be to deconstruct what you believe and really look at it logically. And then draw conclusions for yourself, have experiences for yourself and make those conclusions. But try to go in as neutral as possible, with as clear a head as possible, with, an, with a curiosity rather than a perceived notion, if that makes sense. I hope that you found this podcast interesting. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. So, And hopefully I will be able to eventually have a good friend of mine on the podcast who is a paranormal investigator so we can discuss this because her and I have these amazing talks all the time. And she's an amazing investigator and I would love to have her on so we could discuss this more deeply. And I know it's a topic that people really enjoy. And it's one that has been coming up a lot lately for me. So I felt like this podcast episode would definitely be warranted. So anyways, until next time, thank you all for listening and stay grounded.